0: You're listening to Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince. Every two weeks, they give their thoughts on movies, TV, and anime.
1: saw a quote online which resonated with me someone said that they were happy they'd grown up before the technological boom before smartphones computers in every household the internet and none too ironically before streaming services like netflix which keep us cocooned in our homes binge watching entire seasons of shows like stranger things some of us have very fond memories of this time of riding our bikes through forests using our imaginations to create our own fun of chances, scrapes, adventures, and a sense of security that most people took for granted, especially if you grew up in a small town where everyone knew each other by name. Many films of that time played on those ideas, E.T., Stand By Me, as well as a host of others. Stranger Things, directed by the Duffer brothers, Matt and Ross, is a throwback to that time, and it's absolutely glorious. The season is only eight episodes long, however, not a moment is wasted during the entirety of the season. The brothers managed to tell a story clearly inspired by the likes of Spielberg, Carpenter, Zemeckis, Lucas, and King without being overtly ripping off their ideas, and that's a very fine line to dance upon, and the brothers do so expertly. Originally, they'd wanted to direct the remake of Stephen King's It, however, when they were turned down, they approached Netflix with Stranger Things, which became an almost immediate hit with audiences and critics alike. Now, I know for a fact that you watched it as soon as it came out or very shortly thereafter, same as Karen and I, and we had heard nothing about it other than watch it. It's good. And it was one of those things where immediately you're seeing those references. And if you're old enough to appreciate that time, it really made it a lot of fun because you saw so much that was done so well even just in that first episode right from the intro which uses again the same kind of fonts and everything as we saw in those movies at that time the the film grain which you're not used to seeing anymore especially with digital cinematography speaking of which the cinematography beautiful and how it was shot the music throughout all eight episodes and Not just cultural references throughout, but also just the actual settings themselves, be it the basement where they play Dungeons and Dragons and you see the, you know, I I know there's a Thing poster, but I thought I saw a Jaws poster as well.
0: Uh, There's an Evil Dead poster. I remember that much. That was when Lonnie came in and told him to tear it down. It was disrespectful.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so there's a lot of different things going on that are not just a throwback to that time but that really put you in there and well
0: it's it's one of those where a lot of the productions that try to like evoke a specific time point go overboard of filling it with references but stranger things didn't stranger things like had a few things there to of course cement it in its time period but it wasn't every episode like oh here's a famous tv show or you know a celebrity on the news like it it evoked the era without oversaturating it
1: yeah yeah you were in that story in that time and it did a really good job in letting you know that you were there without hitting you over the head with it which is again that fine line that i'm speaking about and then the cast was spectacular when you look at not just the the kids whom we wouldn't have seen them before i i I actually didn't look into see into anything i know that 11 millie bobby brown has been in other shows quite a few other things but nothing that jumped out at me Mm -hmm. but i mean when you're looking at winona Ryder in a role where she's playing the mother to kids in a time when she would have been that age (laughs) gives her a perspective that makes it a lot easier for her again to play that role and then you've got even though Matthew Modine's not in it for very long, again, that throwback to the 80s, choosing actors from that period as well, which for those of us who were from that time as well, can appreciate then. And and it's it's not, it doesn't overtake the story or anything else, but it's one of those nice nods that you can appreciate that it's not just the music, the setting, everything, but also the cast.
0: Yeah, it Winona Ryder was so good at oh, this. Oh, Christ, yeah. Like, uh, the, especially those early episodes, like the, the Christmas light stuff. Like, I know a lot of people were complaining that, like, oh, she they felt like she was overacting. And, like, it never felt like that to me. Like, it always felt like just a mother in a crisis mode who was constantly on the verge of breaking down. And I, I think she straddled that line brilliantly in her performance.
1: I do, too. I actually am surprised to hear that people thought it was overacting because I didn't think that at any point – you you look at it not just in terms of of being a parent but in her case a single parent who's raising two two boys and also someone who is constantly at work and constantly exhausted because of it and until you you know you raise a couple of kids and you understand how difficult it is that you're always tired there's it's always something but then compound that with her being a single mother on top of that and having to be constantly at work and trying to juggle everything. And then when shit goes bad, it makes perfect sense that she's, she's ready to snap. And you have to also factor in that it's, it's supposed to be odd and and not necessarily overacting, but, People aren't behaving necessarily exactly as they would in real life. It's a mm-hmm. science fiction horror yeah, show. Like how, so, how would
0: you act if a monster came out of your wall?
1: Yeah. Like <laughs> your child is contacting you through a phone and then the phone blows up. You're not exactly going to be well balanced afterwards. Uh,
0: I, I, one of my favorite scenes with her was when she went into the department store to get yes, the new phone the and part. she's talking to the manager <laughs> like it it was just so like you saw the determination in her it it wasn't just she wasn't just this ragged you know on the edge of sanity character like she she had drive she had motivation and that was there through every episode too
1: yeah yes it did it was it was good because you got that relationship between her and hopper which is obviously complicated but in a way that it's complicated in a small town setting Mm -hmm. and i come from a small town not American, but Canadian. And it's that same kind of thing where everybody knows everybody. And if you go, when you come back, you find out everybody is kind of slept with everybody. Everybody's got a story about how they were with somebody else or something else, or this didn't work out another with this person. And that's what you saw here. There's, there's a lot of back history between those two characters, but that's not what this story is about. So that just remains as backstory that's Mm -hmm. there. And I really, really dug that. But further to that, when you see the two of them together, because, of course, Hopper's a cop, so you would assume he's just going to take charge and do everything. And he tries that with her. And there's some moments where he seems to have a handle (laughs) on her. But there's moments where it's like she's the one that's leading him. She's the one that she will not be held back. This is her son. And she's going to go and get him.
0: And, again, entirely believable, I thought. Hey. I think they kind of overdid Hopper a little bit when he was like, you know, super cop infiltrating the <laughs> the uh, whatever the hell it was, the government installation. But I, I, for the rest of the time, like when he was just that, you know, that worn down small town sheriff, it was that character trope we've seen so many times. But he played it to the role perfectly and then you know, rising to the occasion. So I, I don't think there's a single bad actor you can point at that went, ah, I didn't like that.
1: No, no. And again, going back to the kids, the uh, we have Finn Wolf, Wolfhard, Millie, Bobby Brown, Gaten Mata, Razzle, and Caleb McLaughlin. They were phenomenal. Each of them was fantastic, and of course, freaking. It's hard to say in a show that has eleven in it, but man, Dustin stole
0: that show. Dustin was the best character by far that, because that kid was it, it, it amazing. Wasn't, like his uh, disability wasn't like written in into the script. That was that's getting, him. Like he that's him. Yeah. Like he wasn't acting. Like that's that's just the way he is, and that lent so much more personality to the character that how can you not love that kid? Yeah. And
1: it was one of those where the disability didn't make him any less extrovert a character. His mm-hmm. character is very out there and in your face kind of thing. But in a great <laughs> Every time way. they needed
0: a distraction or <laughs>
1: Yeah, like it was funny. Actually I was reading though they were saying that his voice changed so much from the beginning of filming to the end that they couldn't <laughs> use him for redubbings later on for his some of his stuff because it had changed so much. So it's going to be interesting to see now for the second season what it's going to be like the dynamic mm-hmm. between those kids.
0: And yeah. then the
1: kid who played Mike as well was phenomenal. The further again I read they were saying how he was Originally, he was going to be in this and then they were saying he couldn't make it because he ironically was going to be in the remake of it. And then when schedules <laughs> kind of moved around for filming and whatnot, he was able to do them both. So we're going to see that kid in it again. And he was great.
0: I, I, I love the comparisons to it because I have some thoughts that I'm sure we'll wrap up back around to after we get into the, some of the story stuff. OK. And then Eleven,
1: Millie Bobby Brown. I actually saw her. She was on um, uh, Colbert late night with Colbert and she is phenomenal she is she's such a cool kid <laughs> cutest little girl British too not that she speaks that much here so you tell but yeah and just a cool little girl that just sounds like she'd be a lot of fun to, to, to be on set with and I, I saw another video that had three of them I think yeah the kid who plays Dustin her and mm-hmm. uh, Lucas when they were doing uh, the, the horror version of Stranger Things on VR there was a some sort of VR experience and it scared the shit out of the, all of them it was terrible.
0: I, I forget which one of them but I, it was I think three or four of them had actually gotten invited to the US premiere of Godzilla last week and it was like it was the coolest thing for them. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome. So yeah I am looking forward to seeing the kids in the next season as well and
1: then still kids as well the, the teens in the, in the show like uh, Natalie and Jonathan and even Steve who initially is like just supposed to be the stupid jock boyfriend but comes back later on and to to actually help like all of the kids were good there there was some obvious stereotypes thrown in but they were stereotypes of eighties characters yeah they, that we'd they were seen John Hughes characters other, exactly plain and simple and it, and so it fit and it was one of those yeah I I can roll with this and when you're seeing um, Nancy working or Natalie I should say no sorry, sorry Nancy uh, working with Jonathan when they're in the forest and they're going after the the monster and whatnot. It really, it felt like you were, and this is where the eight hours of a miniseries work so much better than the hour and a half to two hours of a film. You can have those parallel storylines of the kids going through their adventure while the teenagers are also going through their adventure as well. And of course the parents and the adults later on, but it it really was just as engaging to watch the storyline with with Nancy and with Jonathan and of course with Barb being taken as well like there was so much going on there that straight out of the 80s but was still a blast to watch
0: yeah like cuz for me i you know i grew up in like the later 80s into the 90s so like, my idea of what the 80s were like are based so much in those those films, like, you know, Pretty in Pink, Breakfast Club, that sort of stuff. And seeing that replicated here, it was just so welcome. Like, using those stereotypes which aren't relevant in our modern idea of TV or movies in and of itself was just instantly puts you in that certain mindset of – being able to accept a lot of the, a lot of it, like it it 's kind of hard to put into words because it 's just a feeling like oh, the, I understand
1: no no, I understand exactly what you 're saying, and for me it 's easy to to relate because I would have been the same age, maybe a year or two older than those kids in that mm-hmm. same time, so that 's me right there, like so that idea of the
0: again meanwhile, the, I was the little sister throwing broccoli at the dinner table basically <laughs> yeah actually <laughs>
1: you wouldn 't have even been born.
0: Um, no, I was born, but I was about her age. Right.
1: So the uh, it, it it is very much that feeling of immediate understanding and, and taking me back to that time. Because it was going out with my buddies and doing things in the wood and riding bikes and having these little adventures and things like that. And the settings with the playing games and all that, again, all the same thing. So the... Everything about that worked very well. And obviously people enjoyed who weren't around during that time because, again, it's insanely popular. But for anybody who was, it's even more impactful because, like I said, when Karen and I sat down to watch it, it literally was immediately not just recognizable, but so well done that you have that moment of, oh, I see what you did there. That's nice. You know, and, and I really appreciate when a filmmaker is good enough to do that. Mm-hmm. So going back to the story, it does take place in 83 in a small town in Indiana, Hawkins, Indiana, and you you, you find out essentially that there's some kind of shady experiments that are being done – not kind of <laughs> – shady experiments being done at a, uh, an energy lab of sorts and like initially you get to – you see the lab and you see a creature escape and then you you, you have – the story coming back through flashbacks primarily with the character 11 and but during that time as well after you see this creature escape well one of those four kids well we only talked about three because the fourth is really not in the show all that much and that's will and he's taken almost immediately and then you only see him every once in a while when they are showing what it's like in that because he goes to a parallel place kind of thing, the upside down, they call it. And so you see him kind of in there a little bit, and then you see him towards the end. But the film, though it's about the, everybody trying to get the kid back after several episodes, you know, maybe five or six, you almost forget about him because he's, he's not as important to the story as that journey to get to him for everybody. And that's what you're – you're on that roller coaster ride for that. So they're all going after him and it's at that time too that they find the little girl, Eleven, in the woods. And this is where you get the references to Akira, which is the anime and that the the Duffer brothers said influenced this as well where you have this kid Mm – very much like firestarter as well.
0: I or, yeah, I got such a firestarter vibe. Oh yeah, for this.
1: very very much where it's this kid with amazing abilities and she's even tattooed with the number 11 and she's just one of the experiments that is going on in this lab as well. First episode right off the bat you're you're hooked with every single character and not just along for the ride, but you cannot wait to find out more, especially with the way that the character
0: of Eleven, how she's handled and obviously portrayed by by uh, Millie Brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, mean, I didn't watch this when it initially premiered because it premiered over the course of uh, Evo weekend, you know, the World Fighting Game Championships. But they had a cross promotion with Twitch. So every time I went to like watch the fighting game tournaments, I saw all these other streams that were hyping up Stranger Things. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have to watch that at some point. So it was after the tournament, like I think that Monday or Tuesday. It had to have been Tuesday because we were recording a podcast on Monday. So All right, I'm going to check out the stream. I almost didn't go to bed. I was like, this that first episode just grabbed me so viscerally of this is a thing that was made for you. And not just me, of course, like like you said, it resonated with a great number of people. But it I more than any other Netflix series, because I've binge watched, you know, the House of Cards, the, the Marvel stuff, other things through Netflix and Sons of Anarchy and whatnot. I I can't think of any other series that has just grabbed me so intently from the very first episode. And
1: not just the the very first episode, but quite literally every Mm -hmm. single episode thereafter. We watched it. I think we watched it over the course of two days, maybe three, but I think it was two. And it very much was a you finish the one you not only do you have to watch the next one but you you take a moment and it's like wow that was amazing like
0: nothing was wrong with that and a lot of that credit goes to them breaking the 13 episode mold yes like we they they decided we don't have 13 episodes worth of story we're just going to do it in eight so there's none of that padding out to to reach that specific number that doesn't matter anymore Like for network TV, 13 episodes is, you know, a standard 13, 26 episode seasons are are what you do. But we've entered a different age where, you know, that's no longer relevant. And they've so many shows are still sticking to that. And they drag at points because of that, because now they have 13 hours of content to fill. Whereas with Stranger Things, like Netflix asked them, okay, how many episodes do you want? It wasn't you have to do 13. Just so many people coming from more traditional media that are now using Netflix. They like a lot of the Netflix series are made by people who have done TV series in the past and are still stuck in that Hollywood mentality. Whereas the Duffer brothers, yeah, they've done some stuff, but they they had no reason to to hold themselves to this ideal. So they're like, uh, we have about eight hours worth of story. And I'm like, okay, here's eight episodes. Do it. And it was paced so phenomenally well episode to episode. Every episode had a beginning and an ending in addition to being part of the overall plot.
1: And that's a big one. I actually, you had linked me that interview with them where they discussed the, the length of the episodes, how many episodes to uh, to put in. And it's true. It's, it's very much a, this is all they needed, so that's all they did. I mean, we see it even with the big ones, of course, being the Marvel
0: ones on Netflix as well, that often... I feel not like, a single one of them has been right for thirteen hours.
1: No, it's like no, you're you're filling in junk here that doesn't need to be in the story, and it's really not helping you either. Whereas this was just, no, this is how many we need, so that's what we're going to do, and it's I'm mad respect for that. Mm-hmm. So then, as you proceed with the story, you find out more about. and what she went through and her psychokinesis stuff and her there's a bunch of flashbacks that go back and that's where they introduce matthew modine who's essentially the head doctor kind of thing that she refers to as papa and he's like forcing her to kill cats and to do things that she doesn't want to do and using her as well And this is where you get into the kind of real sci-fi kind of thing where she's spying on Russian spies (laughs) using her abilities in in, in an isolation tank. So you got a lot of stuff that you have to be able to just roll with it kind of thing. But if you've made it this far, then you accept this is a sci-fi story that again of that time this is the kind of stuff we would have seen and i never had a problem with it the fact that joyce is talking with her son who's been abducted using christmas lights is one not of the just most, christmas
0: lights those gigantic yes. i think it was the c5 bulbs that are, you can hardly find anymore
1: brilliant i i will never or, look or at cri- christmas a lights telephone yes well yeah that was it that was funny because I was watching that and the well the first phone she had was the old yellow phone that's on the mm-hmm. wall which that everybody
0: had everybody had
1: in their kitchen because mm-hmm. that's where you kept it and the cord had to be long enough that you could ha- cradle it in your neck while you were doing the dishes.
0: And uh, when she's pulling the living room chair over cuz the cord doesn't yes, reach yeah. like, that that's
1: such a 1980s thing. That's <laughs> what it was and and we like that, and when she gets the other phone too, it's like these are these are the phones that you used to be able to assault people with if they broke into your house. <laughs> They're big old forget heavy the baseball bats. They should have hit the monster with the, the fucking phone. Yeah, that's all you need. But yeah, no, those are all things that are cool. But again, those I keep going back to the Christmas. I will never look at Christmas lights the same. <laughs> it's just if I see a blinking Christmas light now, I'm going to be thinking somebody wants to talk to me from the upside down. It was really. A very imaginative use of an inanimate object in a way that makes you see it in an entirely different way and as much more alive. And again, that's something that they talked about, too, about doing that kind of thing. That's something that you saw in the old horror movies, be it, you know, Stephen King's movies or or any other number of things.
0: You just gave me a great idea for this year's Halloween costume now. (laughs) Okay, are going to share with the rest of the class? Well, it's going to be the characters from Stranger Things with the Christmas lights. I'll be Hopper and Alicia will be uh, what's her name, Winona Ryder. With Christmas lights dragging Joyce. behind her? Yes, <laughs> that yes. Does, that should be funny. I'll get some of those battery operated Christmas lights.
1: That's hysterical. Um, so then you wind up having Will's body, which is the boy who was taken, found. And you think, okay, well this is going to kind of shift and be more than about 11 or what's going on here but Joyce doesn't accept that that's Will and it's not until later when Hopper goes in and does his own freaking autopsy on him that you find out that it is in fact a, a, a quote unquote fake body that they use to try to to get around this there's a whole bunch of X-Files level conspiracy shit going on here as well at the same time that is a lot of fun to see. Like when Hopper breaks into the, the, the the lab as well, it's not just a a regular lab. He breaks in and sees the portal to (laughs) this other dimension. So there's a lot of stuff that is way out there, but no more so than again, what we've seen in the shows of that time.
0: Yeah. If you're on board with the first episode, by the time he gets to that portal, you're like, Oh yeah, of course. (laughs) Yeah, there was
1: some cool stuff as well when you're noticing a lot of the different references to the other shows and the obvious Spielberg references. Like you've got not just the, well, you've got the the bike chase, Mm -hmm. which they were saying too, like you pretty much have to have a bike chase. And so they have this bike chase, but in the bike chase, you have the scene where Elle flips the van (laughs) <laughs> entirely over so it's not just a normal bike or chase you know nothing's ever normal and then you have them riding along the tracks for the body and you have um what's the other one that i noticed as well there was another one that really struck me
0: well like, for me it was the opening scene of the kids sitting around play dungeons of dragons yeah, yeah. that's straight out of et yeah and then that was also further referenced with the you know the shed in the backyard i'm trying to think there was
1: another one that i thought of now, of course, I'm not going to be able to remember what it was.
0: It's just so much. Like, you could pick out a almost any yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah,
1: there was. But, again, they were done in such a way that it was paying homage to those films from before and yet still making it very, very much their own. And, and I, 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 I really dug that.
0: Which is where, like, the comparison to Super 8, which was the J.J. Yes. J. Abrams homage to Steven Spielberg, where – I enjoyed the movie, but looking at it critically, it's just J.J. Abrams wanted to make a Steven Spielberg movie. Like he didn't really do anything to make it special or unique. Like, yes, it was still fun. It was still interesting, but it's not something I would go back to, whereas I would watch Stranger Things again because it was its own thing on top of building on the references to the past.
1: Yeah, I, I've i read time and time again too that comparison with the Super 8 and while I enjoyed Super 8 mm-hmm. – I would not even put it in the same league as this in oh, terms of creating something that is an 80s, a true 80s feel. It, right. It, 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 it not even remotely close. Plus, the other thing, too, is if you ask me, I can't remember when I saw Super 8, but it wasn't that, that long. It was shortly after as, it came out. It only came out, what, like four or five years ago? Yeah, so we saw it around that time. If you ask me now, okay, well, who were the main characters? What were they like? I got, I got nothing.
0: Now I'm not the best at remembering the other kid and their parents. Yeah,
1: so (laughs) nothing sticks. You ask me in five years who these kids are, I will, I'll know them all, and I'll
0: understand them, and I'll still remember them. That's how good this was. This show has forever changed the clash. Right. Like there are commercials, like like I think it's like a Toyota commercial that does, that uses "Should I Stay or Should I Go," and like instantly I'm like it. I don't care about Toyota. I just that one song lyric completely puts me in a different mindset because of this show. Now,
1: the soundtrack throughout was amazing. I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, one of the things that I, obviously I especially loved was that L is stealing like egos. <laughs>
0: She's you eating eating
1: <laughs> uh, when, when she's eating, when he's giving her Eggos the first time, I laughed. And then when you see her later breaking into going into the, the store, the, the grocery store, and taking the box of Egos and walking out, I was going, oh, you go, girl. That's awesome. Egos are my happy food, people. <laughs> we always have those big boxes of Egos here. I love Egos. Tastiest cardboard ever. <laughs> So, but yeah, and, and did you see the, the mock-up for the little pop vinyl thing it, it, with the angle? That eggle? needs to happen. That doesn't oh, need to be a mock-up. Yeah, seriously, really, really need that. <laughs> so as the story progresses, you get a lot more flashbacks again with with Levin and finding out more about what was going on at that lab and, and you find out a lot more also because of her quote unquote abilities and being able to communicate with what she calls the upside down, which is this other parallel universe, whatever you want to call it, and that's where will is, that's where Barb is, who you find out later he's no longer with us, but there's also the creature that is there that is dragging people and dead things into that that realm kind of thing and it culminates into this massive kind of fight going on where you've got the agents of the lab you got i think even the regular cops were at that point you've got the kids running all over the place you got the parents going off to try to figure their own shit off the teenagers going to try to to fight the the creature in the house laying all the booby traps and whatnot and then, of course, Eleven is the one at the end to to finish off the fight. I was really worried where the story would be heading to because I was enjoying it so much. I should have had a little bit more faith, but I was. I was a little <laughs> worried. Uh, and then as, when, when Brenner gets taken off, um, I was actually really disappointed with that. That was the one thing I was disappointed in. But it wasn't until I read the interview with the brothers saying, if you thought that that was his death or that was the end of him. Yeah, we didn't see the body. Then, yeah, you would be disappointed. And I went, mean, whoa, hold on. What are you saying there, buddy? <laughs> what are you implying? So it would appear that we are going to see Brennan probably in the next season as well. I don't know. Or Brenner, I should say. I don't know if uh, if Matthew Modine is locked in for the next season. I He can't have that much on his calendar. I think that he's probably <laughs> free. So, yeah. But uh but that was the only thing. And then when you're seeing her going up against the, the 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 creature at the end, then you're like, holy shit. So it better be picked up for another season. And it took a little while from the point that we finished it to when it was picked up, that
0: I was a little worried. So I'm 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 glad that it did get picked up. But at the same time, like I don't think I would have been too disappointed if it didn't get picked up. I want more of the characters. As, I, I, as I understand exactly I, what you're saying, but it's not it's not like it ended like, oh, now we don't know. Like, yeah. it, everything ended and wrapped up with just, you know, the tiniest of little cliffhangers enough seeds. But it's not like because there's so many things these days that like the ending sucks and the the common defense is, oh, they're just setting up for the sequel or the second season, which is bullshit. Like, if you want a second season, you need to have a solid first season, and part of that is a strong resolution. So I like that they had a solid resolution to all the storylines in the first season. And they put the crumbs there, but they weren't like, oh, they're setting up for the future. It's if we do get another season, okay, great. If not, like, it was just it was more like teases of like just like things to get the fans imaginations running. Yeah, like, yeah. like, like putting the egos in the box. Like if we didn't get a second season, I, I still would have been happy with that because at least mentally I'm like, Oh, that means Elle is still out there. She's going to get a happy ending too. Even if we don't see it, it's there. Yeah. Uh, and so well, I'm the thing with obviously will too. glad it's getting a second yeah. season, but I wouldn't have been heartbroken if it hadn't. Well, the thing with
1: will too, because when you mm-hmm. see him with uh, his friends and they're just playing the game and it's supposed to be, Life is back to normal for the kids But there's no way in hell it could be back to normal Especially for him, for what he's gone through So when he coughs up that slug and starts to see the world oh, differently And then go, just goes and sits back down for dinner You're like, okay, yeah Whether that's all in his head or that actually happened Of course he wouldn't be alright Yes, he's going to be seeing things And things are not going to be good for this kid ever again so i was really glad that that was added to counteract that semblance of normalcy that we saw just moments Mm -hmm. before that
0: so but even if we hadn't gotten a second season and that scene just kind of was standing out there it wouldn't have been like a tease it would just would have been like oh okay something's still messed up but if whether we see it or not like okay
1: (laughs) so what is the tie-ins with it that you wanted to discuss then
0: so We know it's finally going to get a second season and knowing, you know, the age of the actors and how difficult it can be having child actors in an ongoing storyline because they're going to age rapidly. And knowing how puberty works at different rates, (laughs) I would love for at least us at least half of the second season to be like it and to fast forward to the kids as adults. Like how the second half of it was, you know, the, the adults yeah. dealing with what happened when they were kids, have the season two be Will and their friends as adults, and then do flashbacks to stuff that happened when they were still kids. So, you know, you have, you know, like you said, Dustin, who now, you know, sounds like he's 15 instead of 12. Like, it, it, it's a way you can make it work. And I think it would be a, a nice another homage to the Stephen King property that they wanted to originally make.
1: Okay, you mean other adults, though, not the, the actual kids as teenagers?
0: No, the these kids like in their 20s or 30s you know, with different actors. They can't actors. look like that though. This is coming huh? out next year. It, it I, I, I I I stand by my idea. Well, it's a bad one. Is what I'm telling you. Well, no, because I, like I said, <laughs> they, they wanted they wanted to make it. So if you're going to make it, you have to have two separate stories of the characters as kids and the characters as adults.
1: Yeah, but my point is that they can't make them look like adults. They're still going to be kids. They're still but no, you're going to have teens. different actors. Well that's what I just said. So yeah. you want different actors with them as adults. Yes. Okay. That's then yeah. I'm I, sorry,
0: I, I must have misheard you. Yeah. No, I
1: actually don't like that. And idea, then you man. could
0: do flashbacks of still having the kid actors as yes, what what they did, you know, back in the eighties still. As long
1: as it doesn't overshadow the kids and that the majority of the story is still the kids. As long as mm-hmm. like at least seventy percent of the story, three quarters of the story, is the kids yeah, and not the adults, because the stuff with the adults in it was not
0: nearly as enjoyable. Well, that would I be the ultimate Stranger Things. Like, okay, we've done the Spielberg and Stephen King stuff. Now let's do it better. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is possible.
1: In terms of Easter eggs, there's a whole bunch. Like we said too, throughout here, the the references that are. Whether it's to Akira or the the obvious movies or whatever, the Dungeons and Dragons stuff with the Demogorgon—you probably knew this. I had to read it up, and (laughs) that's an actual thing
0: in the first edition of D and D. Can can I just? It bothered me though because that's not how the fireball spell works. (laughs) You fucking (laughs)
1: idiot! You You don't
0: make an attack roll on fireball. (laughs) Why am I not
1: surprised? (laughs)
0: And what really got me is they actually had a small interview with Wizards of the Coast. And like, oh, yeah, we thought it was really cool that, you know, uh, what we did inspired what they did. And not one of them called out the fireball error.
1: <laughs> I would have been casting. What's my fireball and my warlock? What is it? Again? Your Eldritch Blast. Eldritch Blast. <laughs> that would have been relevant.
0: That would have been awesome. An attack roll for yes.
1: that. <laughs> And like we said, too, there was the, the posters throughout as well. There's the actual stuff that's based on some reality as well like the the project that they talked about that Eleven's mother was part of it was part mm-hmm. of the MK Ultra project which was an actual thing that yeah. the CIA did back in the days to research telekinesis and other forms of mind control so she was pregnant with Eleven at the time and so out pops Eleven with these abilities kind of thing so I, I kind of again really dug that and then in the first episode there's the the bike race for the comic book and uh Will wins and he wants Dustin's X-Men 134, which is, I think that's the first one that the Dark Phoenix came out yep. in. So it's very relevant to Eleven coming out and being this ball of fire herself kind of thing. So those little things were kind of cool. One of the ones that I didn't pick up on that I ran up on because These aren't just – you don't just get cultural references to different uh, TV shows or movies of the time. But there's also references to games as well, be it of that time or now as well, like the Silent Hill and different stuff like that. But when they dress up Eleven in the blonde wig and the dress and whatnot, (laughs) apparently she looks very much like a girl, Paula in the game Earthbound, which is a Super Nintendo game. Mm -hmm. And she has psychokinesis kinetic powers (laughs) and and whatnot. And I was like, well, that is friggin' awesome. That is, again, I was, I was happy to see that.
0: My favorite scene in the entire show is when, uh, 11 is left home alone and she's like going around the house and seeing the action figures and watching he man. It's just because it's such an ET moment when Elliot's like showing off his action figures to ET and, E.T. was such an important movie to me as a child. So, like, Same. all the the throwbacks to that specific movie resonated even more than a lot of the other references.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I saw that as well. We actually have a really nice box set of E.T., like the, the great big one that has the books and everything in it. Oh, wow. Thing. So, yeah, I, when that came out, I was like, I'm buying you. In fact, I bought <laughs> two copies and I gave one to, I want to say my folks, I can't remember. Anyways, so, yeah, were there any other ones that you liked that you wanted to touch on before we, we –
0: and no, nothing specifically. It's just more of like the general feeling of. It, it, there's so much you can point out. Like you said, Stephen King, Steven Spielberg, John Carpenter, John Hughes. It, it's it, they do such a good job of incorporating all the various bits that it's really hard to point to one or two things and go like this was you know the most impactful. It's more what resonates with you personally. And like I said, that, that, that one small little quiet scene with L resonated with me personally. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And a lot of that obviously has to do with the directors, but it's also very much the cast.
0: Mm -hmm. Whereas I know people who were more enamored with the stuff with like Nancy and Steve, because, you know, they, you know, they were more of like the pretty in pink, you know, John Hughes type uh, movies were more important to them as they grew up. So it's a very personal thing of exactly where you connect with what they've done here. Yeah,
1: yeah, very awesome. So that's it. Thank you very much for listening, folks. We hope you enjoyed it. Of course, you can find the show notes at popcornronan.com. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. And then you can also find us on Twitter. Myself, I'm Zen Buddhas, and he is Simodian. And we'll see you soon. We've got a couple of <laughs> good episodes planned. Well, now that you're moved and we can actually get to yes. a semi-regular schedule, this is going to be fun. This is going to be good. But we are going to be tackling for the next couple of episodes Yet more superheroes, and we're going to be doing some DC stuff as well as some Marvel stuff. So very much looking forward to that. But so we'll talk to you guys later.
0: For more movie, TV, and anime reviews, please make sure to stop by PopcornRonan.com and leave the guys your thoughts in the comments. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.